0: hello and welcome to another episode of the jc diary um this is episode 20 of the podcast and um so i guess this marks season three of my podcast um so like always like i guess most of the time i guess most much has happened since I recorded one of these episodes, um, such is the nature of life, I guess. Um, uh, but a very pivotal life event has occurred for me since I recorded one of these episodes. Um, my cat keeps jumping on the table here, so make may get distracted. <laughs> but, um, yeah, recently... I had a, a very personally traumatizing experience, um, and I know, you know, in life, many, if you know, most people experience traumatic events in their life, so I don't want this to seem like I'm blowing it out of proportion, but I personally have not experienced, um, much major trauma that was, um. Yeah, I just haven't experienced a lot of major trauma. So this was a very significant event for me. Um, Like I said, I know many others have experienced much more difficult and challenging trauma that um, is is so much more uh, painful than what I experienced. But That doesn't mean it's not worth me sharing... Get out of here, Penny. (laughs) Trying to record an episode here, man. (laughs) Um, That doesn't mean it's not worth me sharing my experience because um, it was extremely difficult and extremely painful for me to, to deal with and for me to go through. I thought I may not be able to even make it through this experience. It was um, so challenging for me. Um, But yeah, that that was kind of a lot of build up. Let's just get into it. (laughs) Um, So a while ago, I had an anxiety attack. Um, I've experienced anxiety attacks for a while. I believe I've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, But um, I've also... Um, I believe I've, I don't know if I've said directly some, it's difficult to be direct about, um, suicidal thoughts, but if I haven't said that I've experienced those directly, I've definitely alluded to them on this podcast. Um, but I've experienced suicidal thoughts for, um, most of my life. Um, and so... So when I had an anxiety attack a while ago, um, I started also experiencing some suicidal thoughts. I know many people experience suicidal thoughts in their lives, so I don't want to, again, don't want to blow that out of proportion. Life is hard. Sometimes it feels like we can't make it through all the way. You know, a lot of people feel that way, especially now when times can be so confusing um, and tumultuous so like i said you know i don't want to make that any more than it is you know i was experiencing an anxiety attack and suicidal thoughts i was with dominique at the time um excuse me i didn't want to overburden her with what i was going through because come on Ben. Uh, (laughs) um Because she experiences her own uh, mental health challenges, you know. And it's just, I've always believed that it's important to be cognizant of how your mental health challenges um, impact others. That's part of the reason I do this podcast, um, is uh, because I'm able to share what I'm going through, and anyone that is interested can listen. But they are by no means, like, you know, um they're by no means like forced to, to listen to my challenges and and hear them and and be and take them on because uh, not everyone, uh, well, I guess, I think most humans have like empathic feelings. You know, I, I realize some are psychopathic or sociopathic, but I think the majority, of humans do experience a lot of empathic feelings and a lot of empathic emotions. So when you do um, share your your difficulties and your trauma, um, people I think to some degree take them on and and feel them in whatever way, big or small. Everyone's different in how they process the trauma of others. For me, I. I see myself as being a fairly empathic person. It's difficult for me to to hear what people are going through. And um, so I'm not particularly good at that. I think that's why, excuse me, that's why I like to do this podcast because I worry about how my, my own uh, difficulties will affect others. Penny, will you stop off on the table? Thanks, pal. Um, so yeah, um, that's, that's a big reason I do this podcast, but, um, anyways, back to the story, back to what happened to me, um, so, alright, I've gotta put her into her bedroom so she's not jumping all over the place, okay, where was I, (laughs) um, so, yes, so, um, I didn't want to put too much of what I was going through on Dominique, so I um, I went into another room in our house and um, I got on the phone with the suicide hotline. And I wasn't at that time like like consider like very seriously considering the act of suicide. But I was experiencing, you know, suicidal thoughts and my thoughts were racing and because I was experiencing an anxiety attack. And um, so I just thought, you know, if I called them, they could give me some advice of um, what I should do, um, that sort of thing, Um, how I should cope with these kinds of thoughts. And um, so, I called them, and like like I said, my thoughts were racing, um, and I just, like, I was experience, still in the middle of an anxiety attack when I was on the phone with them, and I just started um, just saying, like, everything I was worried about in my life, how, you know, like, like and I confused um, anxiety with paranoia, I think. Um, I think paranoia is a very different mental disorder than anxiety is, um, but, um, so I, I mentioned that I was, like, afraid of experiencing paranoia, um, while I was on the phone with the suicide hotline, and, um, and I was worried about that potentially developing into schizophrenia, uh, um, because, you know, that's, that happens you know if you experience paranoia it can develop into that Um, and but I didn't understand the difference between like severe anxiety and paranoia they're just not the same um, mental disorder you know at all Um, and so while I had thought that I was experiencing paranoia it was just extreme anxiety Um, but um, because of that um, you know explanation of what was going on with me she suggested oh well maybe you know you should get a psychiatric evaluation and so i was like oh that would be great because then i would have a better understanding of like my mental health and what's what's going on with me and like what the issue is you know like why i'm experiencing these sort of like why i'm experiencing anxiety attacks why i'm have had suicidal thoughts for much of my life um So that sounded like it could be very beneficial, Um, you know, Dominique and I sat down after that, after I had, you know, come out of the anxiety attack, and um, I asked her, I was like, well, you know, what do you think of that? Um, And she, you know, agreed it could potentially help, and, you know, and like, that's a very, you know, seemed like a very reasonable Reasonable thing to both of us to do, you know, just like get a second opinion from someone that understands psychology and the, the human mind better than I do because I have no formal education in psychology or anything like that so um, I went to the ER um, at UT um, Medical Center and um, just explained You know that I was having suicidal thoughts and um, they asked me did I have a plan Um, and so what I didn't understand this at the time because I was still like very I was in a state of like mild shock um, and um, at like post anxiety attack and so when they asked me if I had a plan I interpreted that as being like did you think about a way to do it? And like, it's pretty natural in my mind to if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, just to think of a way to carry out that. So, but um, I think it, in the in their perspective, I think it was more of like um, that question was meant to mean more. Did you like um, formalize? Uh, a plan like did you leave a note did you get your affairs in order they didn't say that at the time they just asked did you have a plan and so for me the plan was just like the thought of how that would happen and so i said yes um so after that um they they put me into you know like they took my clothes they took all my belongings that i had going in there so um, they didn't really explain to me very thoroughly what was going on. They just, you know, they took my clothes, they took a blood sample, they, and then um, they put me in a room in the psychiatric ward of the hospital. And, um, and I, so I thought, like, I didn't, I've never gone to a hospital to, to get a psychiatric evaluation. I had no idea what that would look like, what the procedure would be. You know just no idea going in there um, what that would be like um, so I went in to the hospital you know they put me in the psychiatric ward um, which at UT hospital clearly is does not receive much of their funding it was um, it was a very scary environment um, for someone especially for someone That is, um, experiencing suicidal thoughts, um, you know, things like scratches on the walls, paint, the paint was chipping, it was like, you know, bugs on the floor, and, um, and just, uh, like, very, just a very unsettling environment that I did not feel safe in whatsoever. Um, so... That was very, um, it was very unsettling for me to be there. And um, and so when I got there, um, it took a few hours because they were like busy and, you know, like there's a lot going on in the world right now. A lot of people are going to the hospital, you know, because of illness and that sort of, and, you know, they were just very busy and so when the doctor came in, you know i was just trying to be considerate and um of the other people that were going through stuff and i was like hey you know like it it might be better for me to like do outpatient care i didn't you know i it may not have been the right decision for me to come straight to the er um is there you know is there any would it be possible for me to just leave um and go try and handle this in a different way. And he said, you know, like, you seem like a straight up guy, you know, I'm not worried too much about, you know, your situation, and we should be able to get you out of here in the morning. No, sorry, he didn't say, we should be able to get you out of here in the morning. He did say, you know, like, that should, you know. He he was just kind of unclear and unspecific. but he did say that should probably, like, he indicated that that should be okay, um, and so, um, he just said he would have to talk to the nurses about it, that sort of thing, um, but then he left, and, um, I was left alone in that room, like, wondering what- when is the decision gonna be made, you know, when is someone gonna tell me, if I'm allowed to leave, um, what, you know, what's going on, I was just very confused, felt very in the dark, I was experiencing very significant anxiety already, like, going in there, and I went in there hoping to get a solution to it, and realized, okay, this is probably not the best way to go about, like, dealing with my mental health situation, um, but, um, So after he left, um, I had already spoken to Dominique one time um, before I spoke with him, but it was just a very brief call like, hey, I just got here, Um, the doctor's gonna see me soon, Um, that sort of thing, just very brief, a couple minutes. Um, And um, so after that, I was just it was like the middle of the night when I went in in the first place you know and so after I spoke with the doctor um, I like buzzed the nurse and I asked okay um, well is it okay if I leave you know am I am I am I okay to go and um, she said you know it'll probably be tomorrow that uh, till you can leave and that freaked me out I was like well why you know am i being held here against my will that doctor you know talked to me like everything was fine and you know not a big deal and so so um yeah I was just I was very confused and like didn't understand why I couldn't leave I was like I came in here myself you know to to just talk to someone about my situation and now I'm realizing it's probably not the best for me to be here you know like probably wasn't the best idea but I I was I I thought I was doing the right thing that's what they suggested that I do when I sorry um, it's kind of difficult for me to talk about all this because it's it really I I just got out of that facility um, a few days ago, I haven't even explained that situation yet. Um, but um, yeah, so um, the nurse was um, that was talking to me. Just was like very, like she was clearly overworked, you know, very exasperated. And I was just like, you know, she didn't want to deal with someone that was like having just like an anxiety, another anxiety attack, and. Um, so I just kept asking, you know, like, well, am I being held here against my will? I don't want to be here. I'm like, I'm afraid. Um, and she basically, uh, at one point, you know, she said, okay, let me go talk to the doctor. Um, and I was like, okay, um, could I have an ETA on, you know, when you'll, a decision will be made? And she was like, well, he's just right over here and then you know she just left and never came back and I like I was so confused I was like okay well she said she was just you know gonna step right out and come back and so that like made my anxiety go up even more and so um so I just kept asking if I could have another phone call to Dominique because um, I thought that would calm me down and help me relax and they kept you know saying like, no, you know, they were like, it's, you know, you you can't, (laughs) um, I guess it's just their policy, which is a very strange policy to have only one phone call per day for psychiatric, for people coming in with psychiatric concerns. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I just, and they didn't tell me that either, so they they would just say no, and I would, like, ask why, and they would just get, like, upset and, and just kind of ignore me after that. And so I was like, okay, what's going on here, you know? Like, I just came in to talk to someone about my mental health situation, and now I'm being treated like I'm, like, a criminal or, like, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so, you know... Um, so I was just like, I was freaking out. I was having like, like anxiety. My anxiety was through the roof. And then uh, eventually, you know, I talked to the nurse again and she starts talking about involuntarily committing me. Um, and so that was like terrifying because I was like, you're what? I came in here just to talk to someone about like, about the anxiety I'm experiencing, and, you know, suicidal thoughts, and like, you know, that sort of thing, and, you know, the fear of paranoia, which I now have learned that paranoia is separate from anxiety, and I just didn't understand the term paranoia, like, becoming um, schizophrenia, so... It does make more sense to me now, but I was just very I was confused, you know, and I didn't understand the situation. like I'm not I don't understand psychology on like an academic level because um, I've never studied it at all. And so yeah, so she mentioned like, the possibility of being involuntarily committed and I asked her well okay well I'm I'm being held here against my will because I just came in here on my own like accord to talk to someone about my mental situation and she said no but you can't leave unless the doctor has cleared you to leave and I was like so I am being (laughs) held here against my will then and she said no but like that if I if you're you know, not allowed to leave, and you're asking to leave by any rational person that is being held against your will. So I asked like multiple people, am I being held here against my will? I just wanna leave, I just wanna go home. I can figure this situation out through like a different, you know, clinic um, that's gonna like treat me with respect because I was treated with very little respect at UT Medical Center in their psychiatric ward, you know, like they, they do not treat patients there. Like they're very dismissive and very like, and I realize those people are overworked and that's a hard job. And I realize that, but like, and I realize mental illness is a very difficult thing to, to work with. But um, I just wanted to leave, and I just wanted to go home, and I just wanted to be with, you know, Dominique, and I just wanted to feel safe because I felt extremely unsafe there. And like, you don't, as as just someone who doesn't understand, like, the medical industry very much at all. You, like, when you hear that you might be involuntarily committed, you know, you start thinking the worst, you know, and, like, I think that's very fair, um, when you hear something like that, because I had no understanding of what it meant to be committed, you know, I, I, they didn't say when I, when I would ever be released, if I could be released, and so eventually, you know, they, they came, and, and, like, they said, okay, you can have another phone call, and, like, um, so I called Dominique and I was freaking out. I was like, Honey, they you know, they told me that they might have me committed. It's it's scary in here. There's bugs on the floor, there's scratches on the walls, and like they're they're treating me like a criminal. Like they have to they walk me to the bathroom and like they won't they won't like let have anyone talk to me when I ask if I can talk to someone about my situation, they just say like you know, no one's available. And so I was freaking out and and I just wanted to leave. And um, I had her like conference the call in with my dad. And I was like, dad, please, you know, can you get me out of here? I want to come home. And, um, and like, just, you know, was just like having an, another anxiety attack because it was a very anxiety inducing environment. And I was just freaking out, you know, like I didn't know what to do. And I was like, please get me out of here. Don't let them put me somewhere else, you know, because for for all I knew, putting me somewhere else could have been a lot worse than where I was at the time. And I, you know, um, so I asked, um, I asked, you know, can you get me out? Please don't leave me in here, that sort of thing because, you know, I was feeling you know very alone, very scared. Um, and, um, so, so, you know, they, my, they said, you know, they would do everything they could to get me out. Um, and then a while later, um, you know, I had just been asking if I could speak to someone about my situation, and then, um, eventually a nurse came in, I don't remember her name, but she came in and, and she said, did you want to talk to someone about your situation, and, like, an extremely aggressive tone, and, like, they'd all obviously listened in on my phone call, because she was, like, screaming at me, and saying, like, I don't know, and, like, you know, I don't remember what she said, because I was so, like, I was, I was still in a state of shock about the whole situation. And but I, you know, she just like yelled at me and was like, I don't know who gave you the idea of whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, and they were like, we're having you committed and to, you know, another facility. And so, um, so I just said, you know, okay. And that was like all I could say because like, obviously, you know, at that point, Um, it felt like I had, like, given up my rights, you know, as, like, a human, and so, because, like, I had no intention of going in there and being committed against my will, you know, like, I just thought I was going to go in there and talk to someone about my situation, and then go home, um, but, so, I, after that, I, you know, they put me in a, a cop car, and, drove me to a psychiatric facility that was full of um, people that were going through more severe mental illness than I was. Um, And so that's difficult, you know, even that alone, just seeing other people's mental illness is difficult to cope with and feeling like your situation is much less, you know, less deserving of treatment, you know. So that was very difficult to handle. Um, but um, something happened, um, I think on like, I think it was after my first night of being there. Um, and it's, it's not like a small facility, um, but um, just by chance I was coming out of the shower um, while I was there, and um, my dad um, and my and Dominique and my mom um, were there and they came to drop me off some things. And just by you know sheer sheer luck, I happened to be right where they were when they walked up to the entrance. You know, they weren't supposed to come to the back entrance. That's not where you go, like, to if you're just coming to drop stuff off. So it was just sheer luck that um, our paths happened to cross right at that moment. And I started like bawling because, like, they're looking at me and I'm like, I'm committed to a psychiatric institute right now. And I was like, wow, how did my life come to this right now? So I'm just like, I'm crying, I'm breaking down. Um, And they're just like, you know. like they couldn't even hear me Uh, I could barely hear them through the glass um but um they they just tried to you know comfort me and tell me like stuff like you know like everything's gonna be okay and um you know my dad is a doctor and um he's a podiatrist and he he said like you know he had tried, and, and they told me this before I left, that my dad tried to get me out, but that um, if, he, if he tried to get me out, it would be like, it would be a legal offense, and like they would, you know, he would be arrested, you know, for interfering with the um, transmission of a, of a patient to a psychiatric a, a f- facility. And so, you know, he did everything he could to get, to get me out and so i'm so grateful for that but when i saw him um you know he reminded me you know jackson you've been studying buddhism recently and like rely on that right now and you know get to a, a state of like you know i don't remember exactly what he said but he was like if you if if they're gonna release you you need to be in like a state of you know peace basically that was what he said and and so that that I that like message may be like the only reason that I actually was released from the facility because I realized you know the people in that facility well a lot of them are really good hearted people that care and and want to help others But ultimately, you know, they, if I were to have just like stayed there and allowed my feelings and like my emotions to be what they were, because like that's, being in that environment is very traumatizing and hard to deal with. Um, So I didn't want, and I didn't feel like I could be mentally or psychologically strong in that time, but, um, Dominique also brought me a book called Siddhartha, which tells the story, um, of the life of Siddhartha, um, who is, you know, Siddhartha's life is, um, the one that prompted the, the, um, the Buddhist faith, um, and so reading that book, um, helped me cope with my situation and helped me um try and try and get through it in the best way possible i would you know meditate every day and i would try and you know some days i would meditate for hours and um so not that i would ever wish for that situation or be like wish to go back You know, I was like the most painful, challenging situation of my entire life. Um, Just the the feeling of being powerless and, and having no freedom and having someone determine, you know, your path for you. Like, that nurse practitioner could have committed me to another psychiatric institute once again against my will. And that one could have been worse. Like luckily i was in one of the better institutions you know and and even then when i was getting ready to leave one of the things like one of the people there said to me like i'm glad you were able to like get out of here a lot of people don't have a happy ending so that was really terrifying to hear you know like that a lot of people go through the mental health system and it's not a happy ending for them but like because i just by chance was able to see my family for like five minutes and my dad said that to me and and i i realized okay i've got to put aside you know my anxiety and my depression because i was diagnosed with um major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder when i left And so I realized I've just got to put all of that aside for until they they say like I'm well enough to go And so I just did everything they asked I read You know the material that they gave us and some of it was was actually very helpful and very insightful And I do plan on further, you know studying that material to you know to improve my um, psychological situation but um but I want to do that in a state that I am, like, living on my own free will, um, and I, I did study it there as well, you know, um, but, um, you know, I, like, I did everything they asked, they, they suggested, like, walking laps around the facility, and, you know, meditation, and good sleep, and, um, eating, and that sort of thing, and, um, and taking medication was a big one um and right now i know like my thoughts are racing and i probably sound somewhat manic but um it's a lot for me to reflect on this and it's a lot it's very difficult for me to reflect on this this time because it it was very recent it was only a matter of days ago that i was released um Um, so I put, I tried everything I could to suppress my, the, the issues that were going on with me and I tried everything I could to just seem like everything's okay. Like, like, so that they would, you know, release me back into my life and, and, you know, give me my freedom back and not commit me to another psychiatric facility that had the potential to be even worse than the one I was in at the time. And, you know, a lot of the people in there had their own very real, like, mental health psychiatric issues. Like, a lot of the employees, I think all of them had a, not all of them, of course, but many of them, like, had attempted suicide. Um, And um, I had never personally gotten to that point. Um, I've I've lived with suicidal thoughts much of my life, but... um, most of the people there had their own psychiatric issues um, like I like at one point the nurse practitioner there was like I imagine this has been a very humbling experience for you I was like and I didn't say this but in my mind I was like yeah it's been more like like terrifying and and difficult and challenging more than humbling you know I feel like you know there's a lot of things in life that are humbling but this is just this is terrifying and like I just want I'm being held here against my will you know like it was shocking to me that a medical professional would tell someone who's like experiencing suicidal thoughts and depression like oh this is a humbling experience for you you know and like and I, I do Feel, I do I have thought before, like, I probably have some narcissistic tendencies that exist within me. So as, like, a, someone who has studied in psychology, maybe that's what he was seeing. Um, my dad has said before that, you know, that he thinks he has narcissistic tendencies. Um, and so it would make sense to me that I have some of those as well. Um, so I don't know, you know, the whole thing was extremely scary and difficult, and I, I, a lot of the, for a lot of the time, you know, they didn't tell me when I was going to be released, I didn't know if I was going to be released or not, um, so, yeah, it was, it was horrifying, and, um, I feel like I barely made it out of there, um, um, And one of the things that they do in the facility is like push medication. And I do realize that a lot of patients that go in there really do need medication. I I know that, but um, for me, I didn't want to take any medication because I was like afraid of how it would have, you know, affect me and and that sort of thing. But they just push it and push it. And like, and they, they kind of, you know, in like, subtly say that it might be a longer process without medication. Um, so, I don't know, that is another thing that I've, I've realized um, since all of this is like the danger and of big pharma um, in the United States. Um, <clears throat> I would encourage anyone to watch the movie Spiderhead Um, it's got Chris Hemsworth, it's a very well-made movie, but, um, its core message is about the, the dangers of big pharma and, and the use of medication to control, um, people and make them docile and make them, um, just more easily, like, yeah, just more easily controlled. Um, and I don't know, like. I don't know um, about the pharmaceutical industry personally. I don't know much about it. But I do, just from that experience, know that it is very, you know, has a lot of potential for danger and a lot of potential for destruction. And it has caused much destruction and death in its wake. And, And, you know, like, a lot of it is in the name of you know improving people's mental health but it's a dangerous line um, and i don't you know i don't know a lot of a lot of people see you know big pharma and the pharmaceutical industry under the <clears throat> under the you know protection of capitalism being <clears throat> being very dangerous, and I would agree with that, you know, like, I'm I'm not educated in that, and I'm not like a scholar on the pharmaceutical industry by any means whatsoever, but as um, a psychiatric patient that has entered into a mental health hospital and um, been, I guess, like, affected by it, I, you know, I believe it to be a major issue. Um, Something else I've been reflecting on since this situation is the book 1984 that I read in high school. Um, I believe that was written by George Orwell. Let's just check just to be sure. Not that it really matters who... Yes, George Orwell, that's right, also author of Animal Farm, and so George Orwell was clearly a man that understood, um, uh, had a very deep understanding of the nature of mankind in a way that I think few humans um, really understand. And he pioneered a lot of very um, <clears throat> critical thinking about the nature of mankind that I think has has shaped a lot of um, a lot of the way people think in a lot of different ways. You know, because you know, if you're hearing this and you live in the West, there is a very high probability. That you've heard of 1984 or Animal Farm or both, um, but they're both of those stories are written in cryptic ways, and not everyone has the ability to understand the metaphors that are being conveyed by George. Um, but 1984, um, just reflecting on that book and relating it to the situation that I experienced being. Um, Committed against my will um, to a psych institute um, in the United States, um, and being not forced but like coerced, I absolutely coerced into um, um, taking medication that I I voiced many times I did not want to take medication, um, and I and there was one woman that was like yeah if you don't have to take it if you don't want to and and we had a very nice long conversation and um she was the only person in that institute though that said like it would be okay if i didn't take medication and i said that i wanted to work through these things myself i never you know saw her again after she said that you know i don't think anything i don't think like they fired her took her away or anything you know maybe they did, but I don't think that that's likely to have happened. Um, but, um, I never saw her again after that conversation while I was there. Um, but, you know, I would imagine there's a very real possibility that they reprimanded her for having, like, like, told me that it was okay that I don't take medication. Um... I I would imagine it's likely that they reprimanded her for telling me that Um, because everyone else after that was very not, they were not open to me um, not taking medication. We had a whole like meeting with some of the other patients about like why it's so important to take medication. They would ask us like, do you have any reasons? like, that you feel like it's, you don't want to take medication, and all they would do is just shoot those ideas down, you know, they would, (laughs) that's, that was their only goal, you know, to like, to, to, um, to deny any reason not to take the medication, and so that, like, that told me, if okay, if I want to get out of here, I'm just gonna have to take this medication, and so I took it, um, because i wanted to go home and i wanted to be with my loved ones um but if you have read the story of 1984 um and um if you've read the story of 1984 you know that winston the main character um is always being watched and he's always being surveilled by Big Brother. Big Brother is like a metaphor for, you know, the command and control nature of society. And I believe his name was Winston in that book. I haven't read it since high school. But, um, so, yeah, Winston is, um, the... Uh, archetype of free thinking and the desire to um, live and be authentic that is his character Um, and I've always personally um, uh, held authenticity to a very high standard and I've always um, cared very deeply about the need to be authentic myself, and I've always valued um, people that are authentic um, very significantly. Um, so, you know, um, basically in the story, Winston um, struggles to be authentic, and he struggles b- because the world and Big Brother suppresses, you know, authenticity and rethinking and, um, and that sort of thing. Um, that's just the way it is in the dystopian, um, reality of 1984. Um, and, um, and, um, you know, um, so eventually in the story, Winston is, um, he, he like finds love, and he finds someone who um, like cares for him, and and uh, who is also a free thinker. Um, in In 1984, in that dystopian society, people that are able to think freely and think, you know, and be accepting of themselves are very rare um, because they're suppressed in that society. Um, but he does find someone in the story. Um, eventually, they're both taken and separated from society, and taken to um, um, taken to a facility, you know. And they're they're tortured, and they're they're um, forced to take on the ideology of the society. And until they, until they say, you know, something, it's like, I don't remember what the, what the equation was, but it was something like two plus two equals five or something like that. And so the, the message is like, you must accept, um, you must accept, um, Excuse me. You must accept, like, Big Brother, and and the will of greater society, rather than your own will and your own free will. Um, and and they torture Winston until he's willing to accept that. And um, um and at the end of the book. Um, he comes out of the facility and, and he's freed and he, he never sees his his lover again, you know um but he, at the end of the book he's like, I think he's sitting in a cafe and just saying I love Big Brother um, which is like, I love society and I love like, all the forces that manipulated him and 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 that sort of thing and says how he perfectly believed it, um, and I think that with the, thank God we came into the information age, um, with, like, you know, the internet, and, um, and, um, because, I think you know, George Orwell, in a lot of ways, was like a, a prophet of the possibilities of mankind for uh, especially when it comes to command and control. And that was a lot of what made Apple successful in like um, like in that um, legendary ad camp, excuse me, that legendary ad campaign that they had. like this is why 1984 won't be 1984, um, because of the ability for humans to, to share, um, uh, their own messages and their own wills on the internet, um, and, and these, like, external forces are very limited in how they can oppress people, because the message of free thinking and the message of of the love for the will of the self is is so powerful and so difficult to suppress um a lot of external forces are getting more and more sophisticated and we may eventually enter the age of the lack of free will um I hope not but like I think that there's a lot of forces right now in the world that are trying to eliminate um free will, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's true, you know, I'm not like a, I don't really study macro, um, society by any means, um, but I do fear that, you know, I fear that day, and, um, what allowed me to, um, escape that facility, and escape my my fears and my anxieties and my depression long enough to, to be released was the realization uh, that we are in samsara right now. Um, that is, samsara is just the state of things, really. Um, and when you understand that you're in samsara, you're able to look at it differently. This is all um, you know, in the teachings of Buddhism. Um, when you're able to realize the, that all things fall away, um, nothing lasts forever, and um, just the, the fleeting nature of existence and reality, you're able to, to um, look at it very differently, you know? Um, so just meditating very deeply on attempting to see through samsara and and realize all of this will come to pass all of this will come to an end so i might as well attempt to be at peace with it um even if it's out of my control and and much trial and tribulation is happening right now people are suffering all over the world but you know their suffering won't be in vain. Um, I don't know how. I don't know why. But I believe their suffering won't be in, in vain. Because there's got to be something greater than samsara. There's got to be something more. Because with all the wrong of the world right now, um, there has to be some purpose. Some greater design. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the purpose of Samsara is, I don't know what the Atman's reasoning is and all of this, but I hope that one day things will make sense for people, and I hope that one day there will be a light at the end of this dark tunnel, and I hope that one day we will all see through Samsara and and be able to sit down with one another in peace and, and have um, a heart of love for our fellow beings on this planet. Um, we may be a long way from that. You know, we may be decades, we may be centuries from that state of peace, that state where we can all sit down with one another with compassion and understanding and forgiveness. And But before, um, there's always, you know, a storm before the clouds separate and, um, and I do believe personally that we are in a storm right now but we can all take comfort in the fact and the understanding that all storms come to pass in time and maybe one day um, the world will look at these events and think wow I can't believe that's real. Just as we now look back at, you know, things like slavery and think, wow, I can't believe that was real. I can't believe humans were capable of that. Um, So I think it's just important to have hope, have hope for the future, have hope that um, our successors are wiser than us, have hope that they make decisions and, and lead mankind into a direction of compassion, because I feel for a lot of people, um, oh, oh, and I know, like, a lot of people feel that compassion is leaving from the world, um, so, all we can do, and, and, and there's a lot that we can do, you know, and there's a lot that people are doing. So if there's anything you can do to, to show compassion and, and live compassionately, that's what I'm going to try to do in my life. Um, so that's the message I have for, for people today. Um, that's my story of being put into a psychiatric facility. Against my will, and how I managed to escape um, and regain my freedom in this world. Um, um, it's 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 very strange for me to think that you know this challenge. Well, for me was so much and felt unbearable at times is so much smaller than the challenges of so many people living today i'm so sorry for the things that you are going through and i just i hope that you can have hope um i hope that you can live um trying to hope that tomorrow will be better than today that's what i've been trying to do just hoping that tomorrow will be a better day um and and that may sound silly because I have so much and I'm so, so lucky but, um, to have the life that I do, but just uh, let's, you know, hope that things will get better. Try and find people that will uh, lift you up and, and give you support because those types of people are rare. Um, it feels like right now everyone's just trying to do what they can. To survive themselves. And um, everyone, not everyone, but many of us are afraid. I know I am terrified of this world that we live in Um, personally. That's, you know, part of the reason I've experienced, you know, suicidal thoughts for much of my life. But, you know, I'm finding hope every day, I'm finding reasons to be here, and to to live through samsara, and to see through samsara, so I hope you can do that as well, and I hope your challenges won't be too much for you, um, just know that um, there's always a reason to keep going, there's always a reason to keep walking forward through the darkness, um, that's what I believe. Maybe you've lost that. And even if that reason is simply for the fact that maybe one day you could rediscover that there is a reason. that That is enough, I believe. Anyways, I know this has been a very heavy-hearted episode of my podcast. Sorry if it's brought you down. Sorry if it's giving you sadness, um, but I do have much hope, I have much hope for my future, and I have much hope for the future of mankind, um, and I hope that you are doing well, I hope that you can make it through all of this, as I am trying to myself, but that is all that I have for today, um,